Well, good morning. When I was a kid's pastor, we used to do a thing called virtual roller coaster to prepare us for ups and downs of the day. So I'd like for you to participate in this if you could. Everybody just sit still. Here comes the, the thing from on top. Here it goes. Make sure it's buckled in and get ready to go. I say that to say that if this is your first time with us today, then get ready. It's pretty consistent during the worship part, but the message part tends to be a little bit up and down. Amen. First, I'd like to brag on Jesus uh, because, yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't even say anything yet. Thank you for your enthusiasm. But this is cool. Last week, we preached on stories of healing, and I shared with you a testimony about Denise Sherhall, who is a precious member of our church, and her sister, Kim, is here today, and uh, they went through something together. They, they both had cancer. They were the cancer sisters for a season, but can I tell you that now they're the healed sisters in Jesus' name? cancer-free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. And I, I, I've, got to, I've got to thank God. Our Espanol church is with us, worshiping with us until the building's complete. And they're here today, but um, one of my most favorite people in that congregation is Pastor Joaquin. And I told his story last week about how he had a fever of 110, walked into a hospital, and uh, by God's grace, uh, the Lord took care of him, but uh, by God's grace also, Pastor Joaquin is here today. Pastor Joaquin, we love you. God bless you. Dios te bendiga. <laughs> I'm just so thrilled about what God wants to do in your life today. We've already had time of prayer. We've already had time of worship. And now let's pray together for the word. Lord Jesus, you are the living word. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that this message would be one that changes us from the inside out. That as we talk about freedom, that you would help us to realize today, we don't have to stay in captivity and in shame. Lord Jesus, you came to set the captive free. Today, oh God, do just that for every soul in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, I'm about to be free. <laughs> now that you've made that statement of faith, let's talk about it. When I say freedom, the first thing that many of us as Americans think about is 4th of July, Fireworks, apple pie made the list somehow. I don't know how, but it's on the list. And we as quote-unquote citizens of the United States of America or Americans, we grew up here, we may have come here from another nation, but when we say freedom, we have this leaning or this thought that the red, white, and blue just immediately shows up and, and, and eagles fly through the sky. <laughs> and we think that way. And there's nothing wrong with that because our nation is unique. And there are nations all over the world that, that desire the type of freedom that we enjoy and sometimes even forget we have until it's gone. You know, one of the things that 2020 did for us is the fact that we experienced a taste of being told what to do that we didn't want to do. We're, we're free. So whether you agree with what our nation did and our state and your local quote-unquote jurisdiction, whether you agree with it or not, the fact of the matter is, I can say this with confidence, none of us liked it. Any, anybody like it? Did anybody like the rules that they placed on us that you have to do this and you have to do that? And, and I don't think any of us would go into, see, here's the test. 
if you like something, you want to do it again. So if I were to ask you, would you like to go to 2020 again? No. Why? Because you didn't like it. It was not fun. We experienced these freedoms that we felt like freedoms. And, you know, it was kind of laughable at times because some of the things that we thought were freedoms were just inconveniences. But the point of the matter is we looked at that as a season of our life where it felt a little bit uncomfortable. And we think of freedoms as freedom of speech or assembly and even thought. But the stories of freedom that we're talking about today are much more than a nation because nations rise and fall and God is sovereign over it all. And whether we believe it or not, this nation is not Jesus. Our nation is wonderful and I'm thankful, but this isn't a message about how great the United States is. This is a message about how great Jesus is because our freedom lasts beyond this life and into the next. Our freedom sets us free, even though we may be in bondage like the, like the apostles of old that were sitting in prisons yet completely free. Freedom is so much more than getting to do what we want. As a matter of fact, getting to do what we want is something so many times called sin. In the economy of God and the way that he's structured, it is amazing to think that to be bound to Jesus and bound to the cross and bound to him as our king is in essence the best freedom that we could ever experience. Stories of freedom is our message today, and I want to start with this incredible story in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus coming on the backside of his temptation, coming back to his hometown, and going to the synagogue. Now, to give you an idea of how things were, the synagogue was set up as a, as a, a room where the seats were all around, not like this where you had seats facing a certain place. All the seats were faced toward the center of the room. And in every synagogue in those days, many scholars believe that there was a seat that was unoccupied and the seat was reserved for the Messiah. So setting the stage in that way, Jesus coming in, being a rabbi and a teacher, was able to go and to pick up that scroll and to read from the scroll. And this is where we pick up the story. In verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Return, uh, reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. That the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of our Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scriptures you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by his gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? So we find Jesus reading the scroll declaring that the scriptures have now been fulfilled. Now, why is that important? There's these two words that we passed over that have great significance, sat down. You see, after Jesus read, the Bible tells us that he sat down. Why was everybody looking at him? It was completely common for the rabbis to read portions of scripture and then to go back and sit down. You see, the key is, I believe, that what we're reading here is he sat down in that empty seat. 
And by sitting down in that empty seat that no one was allowed to sit in, he sat down in the seat reserved for the Messiah. Because then he declared that these scriptures have been fulfilled this very day. Did he heal any blind people that day? No. Did he set any captives free that day? No. But in the spirit realm, it was as good as done. Come on. You may not feel free, but when the Holy Spirit sets you free by the power that Jesus has brought through the cross, you are free indeed. You may walk out of here feeling like, I don't feel like I'm free. Who cares how you feel? Can I just be honest? Your feelings don't determine your freedom. It is Jesus that does. Amen? And so when he sat down and said, this is happening. And most of the time when we read about the blind eyes being opened, we find people looking at it and saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Only Jesus has been, open to, uh, been able to open blind eyes. <laughs> and I love how he said the oppressed will be set free. This oppressed talks about being pressed down, being constantly under weight of life's worries. He sat in that seat, proclaimed that he was there to fulfill that mission. And there was two responses. Church, listen to me. You're either gonna have one of two responses today. The first response is that everything Jesus said is true and you love it and you're gonna embrace it. The second was, isn't this Joseph's son? What is that? That's doubt. I've been to church before and I didn't get set free. I've heard messages on freedom before, but I didn't get set free. I've, I've made a commitment to the Lord before, but it didn't change my life. So the question is, are you gonna have that seed of doubt or are you gonna accept the truth that is in this word, that you can be free and free indeed? And Jesus is the one that can set you free. There is no devil in hell that stands a chance against the power of the Holy Spirit here today. Not one. Let them tremble in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that today, as we share these stories of freedom, as we talk about what you can be free from because people in scripture have been set free from these things, I pray that you will accept it with enthusiasm and hope. There, there be no doubt within your heart. Friends, we have an opportunity to walk out of here different than we came in. And now, I'd like for you to welcome the only person at Greater Life Church with more energy than me, <laughs> Moises. All right, let's go. Uh, so, you know, it, it's important to understand that the freedom that God gives is out of love. That what he has to offer to us is all based on love. In the passage that Pastor Andrew read, uh, Jesus takes the scroll out of the book of Isaiah, and in that same scroll, in that same section of Scripture in Isaiah, what follows that segment that, Reese's, that Jesus read is, is judgment. And Jesus, in that scripture, almost avoids the section of judgment, bringing forth this idea that he's here for salvation, not destruction, allowing us to understand that, 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 that freedom is, is this thing that, that we have the ability to act and change things without constraints, that you and I possess the power and resources to fulfill one's purpose unhindered by anything. When we come to God and we accept Jesus as our Savior, we receive a level of freedom like we have never experienced before. See, we, we, we tend to have a backwards approach to it. We, we have this idea that coming to church and being part of the gospel, of this message, makes us bound to things. That we're restricted of doing things that we want to do, when in fact it's the contrary. You experience a salvation that gives you the ability and dominion over the things that at times just were hard for us to overcome as individuals. Things that truly had us bound to our personal needs and desires. Jesus steps in and gives us true salvation from it. 
and freedom. You are free because Jesus has given you the ability and dominion to overcome things. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin may lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. That's something to give them praise for. Number, verse 14 says, to sin no longer. It's no, it's no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That's exciting news. That's something to celebrate. Now, the reality is that Pastor Andrew uh, mentioned is that our, our lives need an ongoing due diligence in order to maintain that path of redemption that God has laid before us. Romans 6, 18 says, now you are free from your slavery to sin. And now you have become slaves to the righteous living. You're like, you mean to tell me I'm still a slave? In all reality, it's an ongoing process and with great power comes great responsibility. And there's, a, there's an idea that at times, we could get ourselves back into a groove that we were never meant to be in. In all reality, Paul says it like this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery. Freedom is not a destination. It's a process. It's continual. It's progressive. We didn't finally arrive. It's ongoing. It's power given to us by God to take control of areas of our life that need redirected. Freedom is unique because it gives us access. When we have access to freedom, it kind of reveals our desires, our afflictions. You know, when, when I don't know if you were a young adult living with your parents, my brother and I made the decision of moving out. If you took the top 10 reasons why I did that, they were all wrong. <laughs> they were for the wrong reasons. I wanted a little bit of extra freedom. A little bit of extra flexibility. I didn't want to have to answer. We were going to party like rock stars. I think we threw one party. The rest was paying bills, cooking our own meals. I mean, it was a lot of responsibility. And it, you, you think that you're stepping into freedom by doing those things you prefer to do or you want. But in all reality, true freedom is found in Christ. And sometimes we doubt that freedom, which leads me to my first point, free from doubt. John the Baptist was a fascinating individual, an unusual character in Scripture, but Jesus said about him that he is the greatest of men in Matthew eleven eleven. His parents, named Zachariah and Elizabeth, they, they, the Bible says that Elizabeth had not been able to have children. She was barren. And they were both well advanced in their years. From seeing this part of the picture of the story, you start to see that a lot of times circumstances prompt our doubt. The reality of our lives and what we're living in tend to prompt our doubt and what we face and how we see life. We have developed this art as individuals, as believers, that we tend to shift our faith. We don't realize how much credit we give to our circumstances and how we're feeling today. We believe that, our, our, you know, I'm just a human. I'm just expressing my doubt, voices. But what we fail to realize is that in our moments of doubt, we shift our faith. Instead of having a priority on that which matters most to us, that can overcome everything, that's more powerful than anything we could ever imagine. We look at that stumbling block in front of us and lay all our faith in it with our doubt. Restricting ourselves from the plan that God has intended for us all along. Letting doubt shift our faith. It says that the Bible says that it came a day when Zacharias was burning incense at the temple and he saw an angel. And Zacharias startled, was startled by the appearance of the angel. It says, but, but, but he was more shocked by what the angel had to say. If you're familiar with the story, he says, Elizabeth will bear a child in her old age. They will name him John, and he will be set apart for a special purpose. Say purpose with me. Purpose. 
One thing that, you might, that, that might help you get over the obstacles that you're currently facing in life is to realize that everything that you're facing today has a purpose lined up behind it from God. What is ahead will surpass what is now in front of you or behind you. It says the Bible says that Zachariah was shocked. He asked, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. You like how he didn't call her old? <laughs> if you know, you know, right? Women, we are terrified of you. No, I'm just We're walking on eggshells. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So he said, I'm old and, and she's advanced in age. So, and, and because of that doubt, because of that moment of doubt by Zachariah, the angel doubles down on him and tells him, hey, hey, you're not going to be able to talk until the birth of your son. And, and I read this, and I just want to take this time to personally thank God for not giving up on us. You, you may not want this for your life, but I do want God to be a little bit radical with me when I'm not comprehending. Because we have found this ability to put God in a box and limit him to our circumstances. And God has to do these radical things in our lives to help us see the big picture sometimes. This story should serve to us as a reminder that God has a detailed plan that he is carrying out for our lives. Though we, like John's parents, think, I, I don't understand why I fit in all this. I don't understand what I'm learning from this, how I'm supposed to uh, grow from this situation. We, too, can understand that God has a plan for us. When a promise is given, it's usually followed up by an overall potential or result from God. God has something in store for it. And when we align our lives in that perspective, we begin to realize that a lot of the doubt that we face today has been self-fabricated. We have told ourselves, it is this difficult. God is not able. He is not capable. There's no way this could happen in my life. When in all reality, we should be asking ourselves, what is the biggest obstacle to what you have been promised? It's ourselves. It's what we tell ourselves. It's what we assume of ourselves, of our lives, of our failures. The guilt that carries us, that feeds our doubt and replaces our faith. A lot of people will say, doubt is the beginning of faith. That's true. It can also work in the opposite direction. And have your faith be shifted into what you want, into what you feel like you need. Now, to my second point, free from greed. Because removing the biggest obstacle, which is often ourselves, requires us to turn away and leave behind things that we may be having, holding on to for so long. Because in essence, you know, the things that you and I want are all self-centered, self-dependent. The will self, self, self is a very trendy word. And everything that's self is popular. And with that comes our personal goals and our desires, what we want it to be. You know, you look at circumstances in our lives and how difficult it would be. I was, I was in a criminal, I was in a crimi criminal justice program. Jeez, I forgot that. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Apparently I wasn't. No, I'm just <laughs> I was in a criminal justice program. Wanted to be in law. I wanted to do something. I wanted to be a politician or something. Could you imagine? Would you vote for me if I... Uh, anyways, that's, that's another story. Let's talk about freedom. Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, this, is not, <laughs> this is not the beginning of my politician career here. Um, I, I, I got into a fight early, early. I wasn't in Bible school or anything like that. It was, it was a dark side. Stand big BC before Christ on that, all right? <clears throat> I got into a fight, dislocated my left shoulder. Couldn't go through the physical of, of, um, of the police academy, so that hindered me from that. And I'm like, God, come on. What am I supposed to do now? After I got into a fight, I'm asking God, come on, God. We, 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 you know. <laughs> then years later, I fall off a motorcycle. Going five miles an hour. It wasn't impressive, okay? That's just... Let's just get that out there. It was a little bit of gravel underneath the road. The tire started spinning. Nobody was pushing me. It was, it was me. It was me. It was my mistake. I was bad. And I had all my gear on. And all I needed to do was bowl up and fall. 
But I thought, I'm only going five miles an hour. I'm about to land on the road. I need to stick my arm out. So I stuck my right arm out as I was falling, dislocated my right shoulder. Pray for me. There's a lot of issues up here for me, okay? But what I'm saying is the circumstances will keep you away from those goals that you desire most. And, and then God causes, it causes God to intervene on our, on our behalf and, and kind of set us straight so that we can see where things are going to end up going. And where I'm not saying God kicked me off the motorcycle, but somehow it had an effect. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is on the hunt for disciples. And he decides to call up on a tax collector. This was bold from Jesus. There was, this was not a popular decision at all. These guys were very bad people. And people thought they were very bad people. I mean, it was bad all over the place. This wasn't a, a, a rumor. This, was, this wasn't a misunderstanding kind of moment. These people were known as awful, and they were awful. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 28, it says, Jesus, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at, the ta at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left what? Everything. Everything. And followed him. You know, greed tends to be this intense selfish desire for something special, wealth, power, food. It is usually something that desires more, an unsatisfied urge from all of us. Most of us self-fabricate this thing where it's twofold. We want to accomplish big things in our lives for our self-worth, and then we want to change the perspective of other people of us. And usually very little of it has to do with being kind and, and good for someone else. But when we look at freedom from the aspect of greed, it's all about trust and letting go. Jesus didn't give Levi a full description of what his future was going to be like and how he was going to see this and how he was going to see that and how it was all going to unfold before him. But Le Jesus called and Levi trusted and friends, listen, you may want a lot of things in life, but, but God usually doesn't have a problem with what you want. God usually has a problem with why we want those things. It has nothing to do with the things you want. It's why you want those things. What's, what's, what's the reason behind why I want these things? There was this guy that said, yeah, there, there's so, many, so much grain, so much grain. What do I do with all of them? And he says, I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns and store it all up. And he's told, this very night, your soul is required of you. And who's going to get all this grain? I, I've always said this, that there's two ways to get enough. You could desire more and more, store up more and more and more and more, or you could just simply want less or desire less. Go about life content of what God has already done in your life. Be content with where you're at today and desire less. You're like, that's complacent. No, it's not. You're just relying and having faith on God that he's going to surpass the need of your greed, that he has so much more to offer than your limited greed wants. We all have it to an extent. But God is saying what I have to offer is much greater I, I, I simply want to leave you with this question. If Jesus called, what would it take for you to leave everything and follow him? How would you do it, Pastor Andrew? And thank you, Moses. They didn't clap for me when I went down. <laughs> I'll try to do better this time. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I don't accept it. I don't accept it. <laughs> so the thing about greed is I believe that God wants us to be greedy for the right thing, right? We should have a desire that runs after the things of the Lord, that our heart should be chasing those things. Finally, number three, we're looking at freedom or free from religion. Guys, there's a big problem 
that happened all the way from the establishment of the, of the religion in general. Religions for as long as people have found things to worship, they put rules around those things. When Jesus stepped onto the scene, the Jewish leaders had done a great job of adding layers upon layers upon layers of rules to the laws that God established in the book of Exodus at Mount Sinai for the children of Israel. Experts that knew every nuance and every in and every out. You see, Jesus came to bring freedom the way that he could bring freedom, complete and total. The freedom that Jesus brought was a freedom that was not a short-term solution. You see, the law in itself wasn't bad. The law showed us that we were bad. Here's the rules that you can't follow. (laughs) And so the sacrifice of the system and the worship in the temple and the tabernacle and in the synagogues was established. But Jesus came to say, listen, I know you guys can't follow all the rules because of sin. So I'm going to pay the price for you. I'm going to die on a cross. So you have hope and you have freedom. Into that scenario we find in the book of Acts a man named Saul. We're going to look at Saul as we look at free from religion. The church sometimes is its own worst enemy. We have done a great job of making feel people less than they are. Can I tell you, yes, none of us deserve the love of Jesus, but he loves us in a way, anyway. That makes us valuable, amen? That makes our lives valuable to him, valuable enough that he died for us, amen? And so I want to encourage you that I don't want Greater Life Church to be a place of, of legalism and hurdles that we must jump through. As a matter of fact, one of the things I love about Greater Life is the fact that People can dress differently and come and worship. You know, you ain't got a suit on or the right length of dress. That's okay. We have people that, I love the, 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 the dynamics. We have people that dress way up here and do wear suits. And then we have people that, you know, God bless them. But I'm going to tell you from this pastor's heart, if I catch any of you guys judging anybody, Amen? Just come and receive the love of Jesus. That's what we want to be about. This idea of religion we find ingrained in Saul, which by the way, we know him as the Apostle Paul. And I used to think that Jesus changed his name on the road to Damascus and it's not in there. Do you know why he called himself Paul? Because it's the Greek version of his name Saul. And God called him to the Gentiles. And so when he would meet with the Gentiles and when he would reach out in these missions areas, call me Paul. It reminds me of some of my special Nepali friends that I meet them. Hey, my name's Paul. My name's Peter. I'm like, really? (laughs) They're just making it easier on me. God bless you guys for that. But there are some biblical names out there. So Paul was trained up in the greatest, one of the greatest schools, a Pharisaic rabbinical school from one of the greatest scholars named Gamaliel. He knew all of the nuances and all of the ins and outs, and he wrote this incredibly awesome book called Galatians that talks about freedom and talks about the law. You see, Paul knew what religion was. And in Acts chapter nine, as he's on his way to imprison Christians that are free in Jesus, and are saying, we don't have to follow the law. He's on his way to persecute. Jesus shows up. We call it the Damascus Road event. Jesus shows up and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he puts him to the task. And Paul has this encounter with Jesus, the Son of God. And we understand from Scripture that right after that, as you read later in Galatians, that he himself, Paul, took three years out of his time to go and learn from Jesus. You see, he even said, I haven't learned from all the other disciples and all the other apostles. Jesus himself taught me about this freedom. 
And as he lays this out, we know he knows all of the ins and outs and therefore he knows all of the solutions. You see, Paul needed to be set free so he could bring freedom to others. The first step that he had to take, and let me use this as, an, as a point of illustration for you. Don't misunderstand that freedom, freedom is not limited to that one-time decision and that one-time prayer at an altar somewhere. Freedom is a step you take each and every day after following Jesus Christ. You see, here's the thing. I can step into freedom and say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. And the second I walk out of the door, I step this way back to my bondage. You see, it's a step after a step after a step. That's why we call our discipleship class here Greater Journey, because it's a journey. It's a step after step after step toward who God is. If you have brought up and been around the idea that if you can just say that prayer that one time, you'll be good to go, I'm telling you, that's a lie. That is a lie. Salvation is a life change forever. It is something you do differently from that time forward. And Saul, who was now Paul, had made that decision. Step one he had to go through is to realize that his faith was in the wrong thing. His faith was in the wrong thing. His faith was in himself. I can follow all these rules. I can have the zeal. I can have the passion. I can follow all of these rules and do good enough by God to be saved. Your faith might be in the wrong thing. The fact that you consider yourself a good person. Can I tell you what the scripture says? There is no one good. No, not one. That all have fallen short of the glory of God. That we all need a savior. We are all sinners desperate to be saved. So first you have to realize that your faith might be in the wrong thing. And then Paul encountered Jesus. The second thing is that he had to reach out for all that God had for him. Right after he encountered Jesus, the Bible tells us he was blind. He could not see. And so he was brought to a home. And then Ananias, another brother in Christ, came and prayed for him. And the Bible says that scales fell off of his eyes and he could see. There is so much imagery there that I don't have the time to get into. He was blind before he was blind. His spirit was completely blind before his sight was taken. And you see what God wanted him to see. Now I'll make you blind for real so you can see for real. <laughs> He received that power of the Holy Spirit with the laying on of hands. And the third thing he had to do is to relearn religion according to the gospel. What is religion? Religion has got a bad rap, and it should. Did you know the reason that there are Protestant churches today is because the Catholic church kept doing what the Pharisees did, and they keep doing it today. Let me add rules on top of rules on top of rules on top of rules on top of rules. And a man named Martin Luther said, I've had it. Why do I got to pay extra money just to go to church? And the Protestant Reformation happened. Can I tell you, if your faith is in the religion, you are going to be destined for hell. Religion can't save you. It can't. The law couldn't save us. But Jesus can. But Jesus can. Now, religion, according to Scripture, is a good and blessed thing. Let me tell you what it is. In its purest form, it's caring for the orphan and the widow. So Paul had to relearn religion according to the gospel, which is grace through faith in Christ alone. It results in the works that care for the poor, for the widow, for the orphan. It brings power enough to set the captives free. Paul, the guy who relearned religion, wrote all of these letters to the early churches, and this is what we read today. He was taught by Jesus through the power of the Spirit, and you and I know what religion is supposed to be like. Do you want to be religious? No. I want to have a relationship with Jesus, and then I want to do religious things. What's religious things? Caring for the least of these. Come on. We've got religion all wrong. Yeah, I want to care for the least of these. God, I want you to use me to bring the power of the gospel to those that don't know it. I want you to use me to bring freedom to the captive. 
I don't want to be. Isn't that the, the response of the lost? Hey, my name's Andrew. Do you know Jesus? Hey, do you go to church? And they say, well, I'm not religious or I am religious or my grandma was religious. Isn't that the response? It's, we're not talking about that. And what do we always say? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship. <laughs> right? And they stand there and go, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? See, I'm not talking about any of those things by themselves. I'm talking about finding freedom in Jesus because that's the only hope we have. Freedom. Freedom. I'll put it this way. You're going to be a slave to something. Something is going to be in charge. Who would you rather be in charge? Me. Ooh, you're going to mess that one up. Jesus. Make him the king of your life. Why did Jesus come to this world? How did he bring us freedom? Freedom from what? Revelation chapter 118. The musicians are going to come. Revelation chapter 118 says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. Catch this. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. You cannot start your car without your keys. You cannot get in your house without your keys. To lose your keys is a very frustrating thing because it takes away your access. <laughs> so Jesus came and says in Revelation 1, I have these keys to death and the grave. What does that mean? That means Christ and Christ alone has the access. And to have access means that he can do whatever he wishes with it. In Revelation 20, it says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. The books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Let's stop right there and ask you this question. If you were judged according to your deeds, what do you think would happen? That makes me shudder. Because I know that I've had many mistakes in my life. And oh God, help me if I was judged according to my deeds. I'm looking around. God help us all. God help us all. Pastor, I'm not as bad as you, okay? Okay. I can guarantee you when your life and your deeds are put beside the purity and holiness and perfection of Jesus, they look, as Scripture says, as filthy rags. I'm a good person. No, you're not. I got to get to the rest of it. Verse 14. <laughs> then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The only person that can eliminate death in the grave is the one who has access and the keys to death in the grave. And friends, I want you to know the scripture says that the lake of fire is a second death. One is enough for me. The Bible says that we're all appointed to die once and then the judgment. But some will die a second death as they're tossed into the lake of fire because they have not received the freedom in Jesus that they could have. And God help us if we choose to try to do it on our own and decide that we can be good enough. My deeds, I, Lord, I do good things. I say good things. I try my best. Your best is not enough. God help us.
bow your heads with me just for a moment. I'll let you go in just a second. I need the prayer team to go ahead and get in place, the staff. We're not going to take a lot of time here, but you got doubts, you can be free. You've been greedy for the wrong thing, you can be free. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can be free from sin, be forgiven. If, if you did at one point say that prayer, but you've been stepping in the wrong direction, you've been going the wrong way, and the devil's been leading you back to sin again and again and again and again and again, you can be free. You can be free. I know the key holder, and his name is Jesus. There's hope for you. There's new life. There's eternal life. There's greater life. So, Lord, right now in this moment and in this room, set people free. For the one who's sitting in here right now thinking that they will decide this later. Lord, I pray that now you would give us all a sense of urgency. That today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And Lord, that there may be a spirit of boldness that would come over those that need to come and receive prayer. And that the voice of the enemy that says you don't need to go, that the voice of the Holy Spirit that's calling them forth would be the louder voice. And in the name of Jesus, around these altars, may you set people free. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand and worship? I need somebody right here to pray with people. If you want to receive prayer for any of those things, salvation, rededication, you feel like you've been carrying around a burden and you need prayer, come now, come now, come now. Let's sing, come on. Come now, don't wait, come now. Come now, receive that prayer. Thank you, Jesus. sitting there with all his stuff and Jesus says follow me the scripture says he left everything and followed him I'm telling you right now now is your moment now is your moment you're hanging on to something don't you walk out of here with it come and get free come on something has to break come on leave everything come on
May this people be full of faith, full of your spirit, called of you, anointed of you to do great things for your glory and your glory alone. Use us in mighty ways this week. As we stand here on the first day of the week and we give you this time, may you use these next few days. Use this people. May the doubts that we walked into be completely gone. May we experience freedom. Freedom in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Have a great day.